All right. We're glad you all are here. Even Kathy, we're glad that you can make it. So. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we had a good trip with ICFM. Everything was good. So, but it's always good to be back. When we got in, probably got to bed about 11 o'clock last night. Woke up at 2 o'clock, was wide awake, just wide awake. So what are you going to do? So we finished packing and we left at 3 o'clock. <laughs> I mean, no sense of sitting around and just twiddle your thumbs and wait till whenever you're going to leave. You might as well just leave. So we did. There was nothing else to do except leave. That was the next thing on the agenda. So we woke up and we left. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 really, really. Well, if you joined us on live stream or podcast, glad you could be with us tonight. And we always gather around and under the banner of the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Well, let's just bless the Lord. We praise you, Father. We give you all the glory and all the honor. You alone are worthy, Lord Jesus. You're the one that paid the price for us. You're the one that bore away our sin, our sickness, our diseases. We thank you, Lord, that there's forgiveness for sin, there's healing for sickness. Thank you, Lord, that you've delivered us and set us on high, that you are our Redeemer, you're our Savior, our Justifier. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you are and all that you do, that you provided for us through your Word all things that pertain to life and to godliness. We honor you, Lord, we glorify you and magnify you, Most High God, Everlasting King, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, mighty to deliver, mighty to save. There is none like you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we thank you that we can come before you and hear your word and sit at your feet and be taught of your Holy Spirit. And we look to you, Holy Spirit, as our teacher and our guide, that you'll teach us and lead us in the truth that your anointing comes on the word and removes burdens and destroys yokes, and that we will receive impartation of revelation from your word and by you, through you, Holy Spirit, so that that rock of revelation, the power of hell, will not be able to stand against it. And I thank you, Lord, that we can continue to grow, develop in your divine nature, conforming to the image of Jesus, walking more and more in a manner worthy of you and pleasing you in all respects. We bless you and honor you and praise you, Lord. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Hallelujah. We're going to start this evening over in Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 13 through 15. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Thank you, Jesus. You know, Jesus has done some great things for us. Isn't that right? Amen. He's done great things for a lot of people that don't even know he's done them. But, you know, just like us, we all had to find out. Isn't that right? It says, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And when he had disarmed the rulers and the authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Hallelujah. Well, he canceled the certificate of debt, and the debt is what was owed to God. There was punishment that we had deserved, and we owed it to God because we broke his commandments and broke his laws. Isn't that right? But he canceled that debt. He canceled that certificate of debt, which means he absolutely obliterated it. He wiped it away with the sacrifice of his son. Jesus, the spotless offering made for us that in Christ, our sin is forgiven when we received him as our Lord and Savior. So that's why it said back in verse 13 that even when we were dead in our transgressions and, and the uncircumcision of our flesh, even at that point when we accepted Jesus, he made us alive, changed us, made us a new creature in Christ. Isn't that right? Forgiven us all of our sin. Glory to God. And he did it because he canceled the certificate of debt made of decrees that were against us. And they were against us because there was no way we could enter into God's peace trying to keep the law, trying to keep that, that Old Testament law and rituals. Isn't that right? 
and they were very oppressive and they were very burdensome. There was just no way that we can walk in those things because no man can be perfect walking under the law. Only Jesus did that. Isn't that right? Amen. And it just the law actually proved that we were not able to be perfected in ourselves and we could not keep the rules. Impossibility. Amen. And it says they were hostile. He said to the church in Colossae, they were hostile to us. All right. Well, they were limited. The the law was limited to one group of people. All right. And it was Israel. And, you know, when you think of Israel, you say, well, why was Israel God's chosen people? Well, they weren't. Abraham was. Out of Abraham came Isaac. Out of Isaac came Jacob. Jacob's name got changed to Israel. And out of Israel came 12 sons or the 12 tribes. And then out of all of them came all of the offspring that created the nation of Israel. But it was that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was God's chosen. And God chose them and they created or out from them came the nation of Israel. And God chose Israel because he needed a nation to keep a bloodline for the Messiah to be born through. Amen. So they were limited only to the people of Israel. And the word of God was not for all people. So it was hostile against everybody else. Okay, and then he goes on to say in verse 14, uh, I'm sorry, verse 15, that he had disarmed the rulers and the authorities. All right. So he disarmed them. He's shown them publicly in the spirit realm, showed them to be defeated and showed everybody that he triumphed over them. God triumphed over the enemy, Satan and all of his cohorts through the work of Jesus on the cross. Amen. And you know, I don't know if you know this, but when an army is disarmed, you don't need to be afraid of them. That's why you never give up your guns. Amen. You don't fear an enemy that is disarmed. The word disarmed means, it says when he disarmed them, it means he put them off from himself. All right? In complete triumph. So he was actually held in that place after he had died in eternal death. But he put them all off and triumphed over them all. Now, we are in Christ, aren't we? And if we're in Christ and we are in his victory, we have his triumph. We share in it all, don't we? Well, is that truth or is it not truth? Do you need the circumstances to be manifested to prove that truth? You shouldn't. You shouldn't need uh, 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 circumstances to be manifest to prove the truth. Unless, of course, you're a Thomas and you need to see it to believe it. But Jesus said, blessed are those that do not see and yet believe it. Why? Because if you believe it, you will see it. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Hallelujah. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, which is what we are, we are flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. And we know that he put off his place and his rights and privileges as deity and came to live as a bondservant, partook of flesh and blood. That through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all of their lives. So that he would destroy and render powerless him who had the power. If he had it, it means he don't have it anymore. Amen. He rendered him powerless, which is the Greek word katageo, which means to make inoperative and to nullify, to make entirely idle, because that's an intensive word in the Greek. It totally and completely obliterated and made inoperative and idle. Amen. Amen. Have you ever told the child, sit down and, and don't move? You ever told the child that? Yeah. 
But when you tell them to sit down and don't move, what's the one thing that's still moving even though their feet are not moving? Their mouth is still running. And that's the whole thing with the devil. See, he's been nullified, made inoperative and idle and told to sit down, but his mouth is still running. And if you listen to him, he, he will lie to you all the time and lie to you about what is truth and what isn't truth. Well, I don't know why you, don't, why you believe that. Do you really see that? Well, I don't know why you believe that. You know I mean, that's not what's going on here. Why do you believe that? See, and he'll try to get you not to believe something. But if you live by what you see, then you will doubt, get into unbelief, and listen to his lies because that's the arena he wants to pull you into. Rather than the arena of what you believe, he wants to pull you into an arena of what you see. Or he'll put you into an arena of making believe what you see isn't really there. You know, like, I don't see Goliath. Goliath isn't really there. No, he's not really there. Yeah, he was really there. So he tries to pull you over into those realms of the seen realm rather than the faith realm. Because if he can pull you in the seen realm, faith won't work. Amen. So he was rendered powerless. So Satan's activity was not hindered. It was completely and totally caused to cease. Now, we know that Jesus lived a sinless life. Isn't that right? So when he actually went to the cross, he went to the cross in a sinless condition. Satan came against him, didn't he? Because he wanted to take his life. And he figured if he takes his life, he causes the religious leaders to uh, accuse him of blasphemy, which was a lie. And if they could accuse him of blasphemy and then kill him, Satan could get rid of him. Isn't that right? But guess what? Jesus never sinned. So therefore, Jesus' death was unlawful. He was not deserving of death because he never sinned. It was only through sin that our bodies decay and we wind up in death. So Satan's action against Jesus was totally unlawful. And because it was unlawful, now Jesus didn't come as the Son of God. He came as the Son of Man. Isn't that right? And because Satan killed a man that was absolutely sinless, it forfeited his right to rule over any born-again person in Christ. He has no right to rule in anybody's life because he unlawfully brought death upon, on Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, we understand that Jesus let him do it. He said, nobody takes my life. I lay it down. But Satan fell for the bait, and he killed him unlawfully, unjustifiably, and therefore, his right to rule over any born-again believer is unlawful. He has no right. He forfeited that right. Amen. And it says that he would free those who through the fear of death was subject to slavery all their lives, free from the fear of death. Because the fear of death rules as a tyrant over mankind. Satan had sovereignty, not over death, but he had the sovereignty of death. He ruled in the realm of death. He is death. God said to Adam when he was in the garden, don't eat of the fruit because in the day you eat it, you shall surely die. Right? But the way it's written in the Hebrew is, in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die, and in your dying, you will die. And it was actually two deaths. Then when he ate of the fruit, he died spiritually, and because of spiritual death, then comes physical death. Right? So, once he ate of that fruit, Sin entered into the world, and so did death. And Satan rules in that realm of death. He has the sovereignty of death because he is death, okay? 
the realm where the unsaved, where the unsaved person lives and Satan has dominion is the realm of death. But we're no longer slaves. Right. Glory to God. We were held in bondage because of the tyranny of the fear of death. But Jesus, through his death, made possible for the, for the believing sinners release from the grip that death had on him. Amen. Death no longer has a grip on us. Amen. Now, does that mean that we'll never die? No, no, that's not what it means. It means that even if I do die, I do not lose. I'll never lose. I might die, but I'll never lose. There's many times that I've had to believe God for some things, and I'd say, well, I'm believing God in this, and I might die, but I'm not going to lose. Don't matter. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The decrees were canceled. Satan has been disarmed. We will not lose. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5. Verse 17. It says, for if by the transgression of the one, talking about Adam, death reigned through the one, then much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So through the one, Adam, death reigned. That realm of death was reigning. But through Jesus Christ, we can reign. In fact, it says that in the Amplified. We can reign in life as kings through the one Jesus Christ. So life came through one as death came through one. Okay? Now, some people say it's not fair that because of one man's sin that everybody gets under that same umbrella. Well, if that's not fair, then everybody needs their own redeemer. The reason that everybody gets bundled under the one sin of Adam because it takes one redeemer to free everybody. Amen. Amen. So through Adam's sin, the realm of death became the realm that man lived in. And man was held in bondage in that realm of death through sin. And all sin and death had to offer to all mankind. Amen. But the abundance of grace abounds beyond any sin nobody could sin far enough nobody can sin great enough that the grace of God cannot save them and deliver them out from it everyone that receives this grace in Christ receives the free gift of righteousness Corinthians says that he made God made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ not in ourself, but it's all about in him. And we talked about that Sunday, about how God looks at the sacrifice. He don't look at us. The sacrifice is spotless, and therefore it cleanses us. Amen. So through grace and righteousness, the born-again believer reigns over the tyranny of sin and death and all that it has to offer mankind. The realm of death no longer has a hold on us. Because of Satan's unlawful actions against Jesus. Therefore, he has no rights. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verses 7 through 11. It says, for he who has died is free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So, as a believer that's received Jesus in our life, we can consider ourselves to be dead to sin. All right, now just like Jesus died to sin, the realm of death is no longer master. 
He no longer lives in that realm upon the earth. Okay, well, if we consider ourselves to be dead to sin, then that realm of death is no longer master over us. And the word master means it no longer rules over us, has no jurisdiction over us, that we can consider and reckon ourselves as being dead to sin. And what's he talking about? Taking on a new identification. This is how, you know, we had to stop identifying with the way we identified with things in the past and start identifying according to the new life that Christ has given to us. We identify with Christ right now. Amen. Sin was paid for at the same time that sickness, disease, anxiety, calamity, pain, and sorrow was paid for. You know, Isaiah chapter 53 is the, the, the chapter of the great substitution of Christ. You know, he bore away our sicknesses and diseases. He carried our pain and our sorrow. By his stripes, we were healed. You know, he bore our sin. He paid for our sin. It's all in that chapter. And it was all done at the same time. Sin, sickness, disease, uh, pain, sorrow, calamity, anxieties, all of it, all at the same time, was paid for. Amen. Why? Because you can't separate sin from sickness, disease, anxiety. Why? Because these are all the effects of sin in life. He was bruised for our iniquity. He was wounded for our transgressions. The word transgressions means that for our sin. But when it says he was bruised for our iniquity, the word iniquity in that chapter, in that verse, and in that one only means the effects that sin had upon, the, upon mankind. So he not only took away and paid for the sin, but he paid for all the effects of sin. And then the chastening that was supposed to come on us, it came on him. He took it upon himself. And then by the stripes that he received, the scourgings that he received, we were healed. Amen. Well, how does that happen? We don't know. You don't need to know. It's just like sowing the seed. You plant the seed, the seed grows. How? You don't know. It sells you right there. You don't know. So there's no sense of trying to figure out what you don't know. You might as well just believe what the Word of God says. God's not a man that he should lie. So we no longer identify with sin or anything in the realm of death. We don't identify with sickness, disease, uh, uh, lack, uh, anxiety, calamities, pain, sorrow. We don't identify with any of that. Does that attack us? It can attack us, but it's just not me, and I'm not, I'm not taking that. I'm going to stand against those things, right? Amen. You know, if you identify with Jesus, look at him. How's he doing? Well, I think he's doing pretty good. So how should we be doing? We should be doing pretty good. Why? Because the things of sin and all of the effects of sin no longer has mastery over us. It no longer rules us or has jurisdiction in our life. Satan has forfeited his rights in our life. And we need to identify with that and take on that identity. You know, make yourself up a little ID card that says free in Christ. You know, free in Jesus. I'm free from sin. I'm free from sickness. I'm free from, from death. I'm free from pain. I'm free from sorrow. Glory to God. You're going to do what you can do to re remind yourself. Don't even think. Don't even think for a minute that you're going to sit here for a, an hour and you're going to remember everything and the rest of the week's just going to be great. You've got to make yourself remember. That's why the Bible always says, remember, stir up your memory and remember these things. Amen. You have to start speaking about who you are, declaring what you have in Christ now that you're alive in him. Amen. Who are you? You know, no longer knowing yourself according to the flesh. Declaring what you have in Christ. What do you have in Christ? All that bonehead stuff you're talking about you don't have in Christ. You got it, maybe. You didn't get it from Christ. But you need to start getting changing your identity. You got to start changing what you're saying. Amen. Free from the fear of death and all that is in the realm of death. Hallelujah. Verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. Well, if sin is about the realm of sin and death, 
then included in that is everything that sin has to offer. So therefore, don't let sickness reign in your body. Don't let pain reign in your body. Don't let uh, uh, disease reign in your body. Don't let, anxi don't let anxiety reign in your body. Whose choice is it not to let it reign? It's our choice, and you've been empowered by the grace of God for that to work. Don't do what it wants you to do. Don't act like it wants you to act. Whether it's sin, sickness, disease, pain, whatever it might be. Make your decisions based on what sickness says or you make your decisions based on what you say. Are you going to say what sickness says or are you going to say what Jesus says? Well, if the word is the truth, then I think I would side in with the truth and rather than siding in with a lie. Amen. We are now slaves of righteousness and no longer slaves to the realm of death. We have the right to walk in victory. Jesus gave us that right. Verse 13. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. All right. <clears throat> so don't present your members of your body to sin. Sickness. Disease, pain, anxiety, calamities, sorrows. See, this is a major change of thinking. You will never enjoy the life God gave you unless you change the way you think. And this is not about mind over matter. This is about changing the whole inner mechanisms of your inward workings of your spirit and your soul. Changing what you think, changing how you perceive things. Whereas you used to, maybe you'd get pains or something, and you go, oh, what is that pain? Uh, this pain is just a, uh. but now you're changing the way you think. So pain comes at your body, you go, I'm not taking this pain. Jesus bore away my pains. Pain, you leave my body in the name of Jesus. You have no right, you have no jurisdiction. Well, what if it don't do what I tell it to do? Well, what if that kid don't do what you tell it to do and you tell it what to do? You tell those kids what to do, but they don't want to do what you tell them. What do you do? Well, okay, kids, whatever you want to do. I hope you're not like that. <laughs> My daughter just have, had a birthday, so she just became a grandma. So we bought her a, a little wooden spoon about grandma disciplining the grandbaby <laughs> it says right on. i don't remember what it says but it does say grandma on it yeah perfect size so i mean we don't we don't put up with it like that why do we put up see and the whole reason is because we think that's normal we think pains are normal we think sickness is normal oh this is just the normal things of life it's not normal it's abnormal the devil has taught you and you've been trained all of your life to receive all these things as just normal. And it's not normal. It's below normal, way below normal. We need to come up to normal. Normal is life in Christ. See, changing our thinking, changing what we perceive as we change our identity, what we identify with. You know, I remember when I first got married, and we're walking down the street of Bangkok, and Pastor Nid's walking with her friend, and I'm walking with her friend's husband. And we, we had both just, I think they had just gotten married, and we had just gotten married. And me and his name was Art. So we're walking down the street, and Pastor Nid and her friend's walking behind us, walking down the street. And Art says to me, maybe we should stop and wait for our wives. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't identifying with a wife, you know. I had one, but I wasn't really identifying with one yet. See, you can have a salvation, but are you identifying with it? Or are you just living life like you did without it? So you've got to change the way you think. Change the way you perceive things. Salvation is what Jesus gave to us, which is defined as deliverance. 
protection, healing, soundness, wholeness in life. Jesus said, I came to give you an abundant life. We've got to change that perception, change your identity. We are not what our body says. We are what God says. So therefore, what do we say? See, what do we say? And when do we say it? Am I going to say what God says? Or am I going to say what the circumstance says? Do I need the circumstance to manifest to prove this truth? If the Bible says that by Jesus' stripes I am healed, then do I need that to manifest in order to prove that truth? No, because it's truth whether you see it or not. And if you're not going to believe it, you will never see it. Amen. So what do we say? Because that's what it all comes down to. There are things that God says. There's things the devil says. There's things the preacher says. But it all comes down to very simply, what do you say? Isn't that right? Do we need circumstances to line up before we could speak the truth? Well, I'm going to keep speaking about how bad I feel. But when I start feeling better, I'm going to start saying, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. That's like putting the horse before the cart. Or is it the heart cart before the horse? Cart before the horse. <laughs> you can tell I'm not a farm boy. Truth is truth. And if we hold to truth, circumstances will have to line up. It may be a gradual change, but they will be changed. And as long as you don't get tired, it'll keep changing. Amen. So here's a couple of things for you to remember. God formed us. Sin deformed us. But now the Bible informs us and the word transforms us. Let me say that again. God formed us. Sin deformed us. The Bible informs us. And the Word of God transforms us. Because that's the only way you can change the way you think. You get a new set of thoughts out of the Word of God. Amen. To start making progress in our life, we have to stop making excuses for our flesh. I know nobody likes to hear this, but, you know, I'm in the same boat. And our flesh is nothing but a spoiled brat. It wants what it wants, when it wants it, don't want to hear anything else. And like a spoiled brat, it just needs to be spanked a few times. <laughs> if we're going to start making progress, we have to stop making excuses for our flesh. When we lose our excuses in the flesh we will find the results and the truth. When we lose our excuses in the flesh, we'll find our results in the truth. Everything that we want to do, change our thinking, changing our perception, changing our identity. Listen, you might, have been, you might be saved for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, but you still have to change some things. In fact, there are some things that you may have gone backwards and re-identified with old things and let the other things slip. And you've got to get that identity back and get that thinking changed and that perception changed. And every time you're going to make a change, it's always new. And whenever you try something new, you will always risk failure. But if you do not try, you will ensure failure. So make a choice. Because if you'll try it over and over again, you will eventually win. Because the Bible says you will come to maturity if you do not quit the task. Amen. Amen. Verse 16. It says, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. You know, I always remember what Elijah said when he was on Mount Carmel, choose ye this day whom you will serve. 
the power of the realm of death and everything that it offers to you in that realm of death is broken off of you. But yet, we can still choose to obey it. We'll either obey the realm of death or we will obey righteousness. We are slaves of the one we obey. That's what it says. You are slaves of the one you obey. So we'll walk by the spirit or we'll walk by the flesh. Do we need manifestations to believe this truth? Do we need a manifestation to speak this truth? The truth is the truth. So therefore, we say what the truth says. Will we choose this day to speak the truth of the word of God, regardless of the circumstances? I mean, on one hand, you could say, I feel like trash. On the other hand, you could say, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. It takes the same amount of effort. Amen. With the mouth, the Bible says, confession is made unto salvation. With the heart, man believes to righteousness or right standing with God. But with the mouth, he makes confession and speaks unto, righteous, uh, speaks unto salvation, which in the Greek is defined, Greek or Hebrew is defined as the same. Deliverance, protection, healing, soundness, wholeness, wellness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totally complete and whole. That's what salvation is all about. Salvation is not just about going to heaven. If salvation was just about going to heaven, the moment you got saved, shoom, you'd be gone. But that's not what salvation's about. Salvation is living in this realm, saved with the benefits of life in Christ, being a witness to others of that life in Christ. And being able to bring as many as you can along into the realm of righteousness. Amen? Amen. With the mouth, confession is made. It doesn't say with the mind you think unto. It says with the mouth you speak. Now it doesn't matter. You can speak it to yourself. Nobody else even needs to hear you. You can just, but it's speaking it out under your breath. But you have to speak it out. Why? Because what's in you has to get out onto the earth. It don't get on the earth because you think it. And nothing, because when we receive things from God into us, it will develop us. And then what comes out from us creates. Because that's the way God's designed it. But if all I do is think it, nothing's coming out. And if nothing's coming out, nothing's going forth. And therefore, nothing's being created. So if you don't like speaking it out, you need to get over it. You're hurting yourself. Amen. Amen. You say, well, I don't really believe that. Well, your argument's not with me. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. Take it up with Him. Verse 17 and 18. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Slaves live for the one they serve. This is not one that has been made a slave. This is one that chose to be a slave. Maybe we could use the word servants better. Slaves just don't go over well. Slaves were a big thing back in those days. But we could use the word servant, but you didn't get a job. You didn't get hired to be a servant. This is a choice. You choose to serve. Isn't that right? Amen. And you choose to serve God. How, how do you serve God? How do you serve righteousness? You serve God by getting in his word. You serve God by spending time in prayer. You serve God by renewing your mind and start thinking and speaking according to his word. You, you serve God by starting to live in things that his word tell, talks about. Just the fact that the word of God says that when you got born again, one of the fruits of the spirit that's in you is joy. Some of you could use a little more joy. Well, 
Do you need a long and hearty movie, a stand-up comedian, or anything else so you can be happy and laugh and have joy? No. Or can you just choose to be joyful? See, that's a hard thing for most people to choose. Just choose to be joyful. That's hard for a lot of people because they're so used to living in emotional responses. A choice to be joyous, there's no emotion in it at all. I'm just going to choose to be joyful. Non-emotional. And because we're so used to being directed by emotions, sometimes we have trouble just choosing. Yeah. Oh, look at those people over there. They, oh, they look like they're so needy. Let, let's go ahead and buy them lunch. Emotional response. Mm -hmm. Well, what if they didn't look needy? Could you have a choice just to buy them lunch? Yeah, See, choices, that's what life's made up of. Life's made up of choices. Now, if you're getting an emotional response, then you're choosing to obey your emotions. That's all it is. And how many of you know that we don't all have emotions that are kind? Yeah, not every emotion is kind to other people. So to get in the habit of obeying emotions that would always be a good thing. So we have not been made to be slaves, but we have chosen to be a servant of God. A servant gives honor and respect and gives themselves to the one they serve. I mean, even if you go in a restaurant and there's a server that comes to your table, don't you hate it if they're snotty? Don't you hate it if they seem to be disrespectful? Don't you hate it if they're just not really going to give themselves to taking care of you when you're there? So in the same way, if we're a servant in the house of God, we should give honor, give respect, and give ourselves to the one we serve. Amen. And who should we serve? The one that's freed us. That's who we should serve. That we live for him. Live for him by obeying him. Isn't that right? A servant in the house of God is cared for. God takes care of those that are servants in his house. You know, the prodigal son spoke about how he was eating at the uh, pig's trough. And he said, my, my father's servants live better than this. Because he knew his father took care of the servants in the house. Isn't that right? See, as a believer, we have a dual role. We are servants of righteousness, but we are sons of God. So we're sons and we're servants. We have a dual role in the kingdom. And a slave or a servant means to be bound to something or someone. We are bound to God. Right. We're bound to him. Yeah. Amen. And no man can serve two masters. So choose ye this day who you will serve. Right? Amen. 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 Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Hallelujah. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Strong in the Lord is to be strong in his word. The enemies will melt away under the power of the word. Why? Because Jesus is the word made flesh. The word of God went right there into the pit of hell and brought him to Norton, and disarmed him. Made a public show of him openly. Amen. They'll melt away under the power of the word of God. And, it's all, and that word comes out of us. In the same manner, because of our position in Christ as a born-again believer. Our certificates have been canceled. Our debts have been released. Our enemies have been dis disarmed. We're free from walking in the realm of death and the fear of it. Satan is disarmed. So we can choose to be a servant of righteousness and be a son of the Most High God. And we have the right to walk in victory. We can be strong in the Lord, strong in his word and the strength of his might. Because the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans said, I'm not ashamed of the word of God, for it is the power of God. Amen. The word of God is the power of God. So to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might is to be strong in the word. Verse 11. 
He says in verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now, I want you to notice how he says that. Put on the full armor of God so that, in order that, for this reason, that you will be able to stand firm against. So taking on the armor is what makes you able. You don't take on the armor, you are not able. Amen. Amen. Taking on, putting on Christ, the living word, and his victory. The word of God is the word of his victory. The victory of the word made flesh over the realm of death and darkness and all it has to offer to mankind. Put this in our heart and put it in our mouth. Put it in our heart, put it in our mouth. When we take this on, this is what we will declare no matter what the circumstances look like. When you put it on, it doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. You will be declaring what the Word of God says. Amen. Well, what if it don't look like it's changing? Then you continue to declare the word of God. Well, what if it looks like it's changing? You continue to declare the word of God. Well, when do I stop declaring the word of God? When do you stop being a son of God? When you stop being a son of God, then you can stop declaring the word of God. This is who you are. This is your life. And this is the only path into real life. Amen. No longer are we ruled by the realm of death, but now ruling. See, we rule. We rule. Putting on the armor. Declaring his word. Putting it in our heart. Amen. Verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. You cannot defend spiritual, I'm sorry, you cannot defeat spiritual enemies with natural weapons, with the arm of the flesh or carnal thinking. You can't. Well, why do we need to defeat them if they've already been defeated? Because they have a mouth and they're lying to you. And you're falling for their lies. They're telling you there's nothing you can do about what's going on in your body. They're telling you that the things that's going, this, this situation is never going to change. This is the way it is for the rest of your life. Well, that's what they continue to tell you. And you need to defeat that. But you can't do it with carnal weapons. You can't do it with natural weapons. You can't do it through the armor of the flesh. You need divine weapons, the armor of God. This is the only power over darkness, the realm of death. The only power. Because only the word of God has defeated death, hell, and the grave. So therefore, that is the only victory in all of creation over all of the realm of darkness. The word has defeated our enemies. Why would we hold to anything else? Why would we live by the old man that lived without the word of God? Where is our identification at? Put the word of God first in your heart, and then get it in your mouth. Put it in your heart, put it in your mouth. Holding fast to our confession unto salvation. Holding fast, it says in Hebrews, hold fast your confession. Hold fast to it, the things that you're saying. And the confession, confession in the Greek means to say the same thing. Hold fast to saying the same thing that God says in his word. Hold fast to saying the same thing that God says. Hold fast to it. Unto salvation, deliverance. Hold fast to that confession unto deliverance. Hold fast to that confession unto protection. Hold fast to that confession unto healing. Hold fast to that confession unto soundness. Hold fast to that confession unto, unto wholeness. Hold fast to it. Don't let go of it. 
no matter what you see and feel. Because we're not led by emotional reactions. We're led by choice. We make choices. That's what ruling is all about. It's making choices. Amen. Verses 13 through 17. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore. And here's the armor. Having girded your loins with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So he says, gird yourself in truth. Truth is the word. Put on the breastplate of righteousness because you're a servant of the word. Walk with the shoes of peace because stability comes from the word. Put on the shield of faith and faith comes by hearing the word. Put on the helmet of salvation, which is a renewed mind, which is renewed to the word. Put, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's all about the word. The word of God. Alive in your heart. In your mouth, in your heart, in your mouth, in your heart, and in your mouth. Get it in your heart, put it in your mouth. Stop putting something in your mouth that's not in your heart. The only reason it's in your heart, in your mouth, is to get it into your heart. But you got to know the difference between putting the word in your heart and having the word coming out from your heart. How do you know when you believe something? When it's an automatic response. You don't have to go to a concordance and check it out. You don't have to pull on your what would Jesus do band. You know. You already know. Without even thinking. It's like they call it second nature. I like to call it first nature. It's your first nature. It's just the way you are. Just boom. This is the response. The word of God. And the word there, word, is not logos. It's rhema. The sword of the Spirit, which is a word of God, not the word. Where is it? In Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. That word is the big broad sword, the logos. But this word, the sword of the spirit, is the little dagger. It's the rhema. The rhema of God that deals the death blow to your enemy. Which enemies? Not against flesh and blood, but against all the spiritual enemies. Amen? So we're not talking about the word of God as data. So this is not about just memorizing something and blabbing something. This is not just speaking data. This is a revelation in my heart that when I say it, I know without a doubt it's going to happen. Yeah. I have inward certainty, and you cannot talk me out of it. You right? Mm -hmm. Not data, but revelation. The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. There's a lot of people that go around and want to declare what the Word of God says, but it ain't working for them because it's not life. It's letter data the word in our heart and in our mouth the word in our heart and in our mouth the word in our heart and in our mouth why so that it gets in our choices gets in our decisions and it becomes a part of our life out of the heart comes the divinely powerful forces of life it tells us in proverbs chapter 4 and when that happens we can be walking in our god-given victory and remember what we talked about last week. When the seed of the word comes out, you have the authority to stand against anything that tries to oppose that word. Just like Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. They start going over and there's a big hurricane winds that come against the boat. Jesus gets up, calms the storm because he already said, let's go over to the other side. And he has the authority to stand against anything 
that he said. Not just because he said it, but because he heard it from the Father, revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, and he declared it upon the earth. Amen. Amen. Battles in life, we all face them. Jesus said, in, the life you have, in this life you have tribulation, right? But he said, take courage, because I've overcome the world. Battles are not always easy. And the reason they're not always easy is because of the need for growth. The more you grow in the word, the easier it becomes. Because the more you grow in the word, the more you're going to have to stand for. And even though battles are not always easy, they are all winnable. Because the victory has already been won. In life, we may die. If Jesus doesn't come back soon, we may all die. <laughs> but we'll always win. Doesn't matter. Because life in this earth is not the end of life. It's just the end of this part of life. In fact, life here, no matter how good your life might get, life here is the worst your life will ever be. But for a sinner, life here is the best it's ever going to be. The worst is yet to come for a sinner. But for a believer, the best is yet to come. Amen. Jesus made us to be winners. He's given us the victory. He's given us the triumph. And we have the right to walk in victory in every single battle because the word will never fail. Amen. Never fail. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, let's bless the Lord. We bless you, Lord. We praise you. We magnify you, Lord. We give you all the glory. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the victory. Thank you for the triumph that you went and disarmed our enemies. You canceled the debts and the certificates that was against us. You nailed them to the cross by nailing yourself to the cross. And I thank you that you carried away that punishment for us. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray for everyone in this room, on live stream, on podcast, and wherever anyone may be that is hearing the, my voice, whether it is live or whether it is in an archive. Lord, I just pray for this to become a reality in each person. Holy Spirit, I ask you that you'd bring it up within us, that we would ponder it and think about it, and then eat it back down again inside of us, that it would grow greater and stronger and bigger within us. Father, I thank you for your word, that your word, Father, is not just a word spoken, but your word is a living person. Father, I thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ has done everything for us so that we could be saved for all eternity, delivered out of the pit of hell, and made to sit in heavenly places with you. That you have freed us. You've done all that is necessary to deliver us. And Father, I just thank you that our salvation is in Jesus. That when we come to you for forgiveness of sin, you don't look at us to see if we're worthy. You look at the sacrifice of Jesus and see the sacrifice is worthy. And upon examination of the sacrifice, the one that comes with the sacrifice is then accepted. Lord, we thank you that you've made it so simple. You've made it so easy so that salvation can be a reality in every single person's life. Father, we bless you and we honor you and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Father, I just thank you as we come before you with our giving with our tithes, our first fruits, our seed sowing, our offerings, whatever it may be. Lord, I just thank you that we come not only with what we give, but we come declaring what your word says about our giving. That your word declares truth about tithing, about first fruit offering, about seed sowing. 
So whatever it is we may be doing today, we declare what your word says about it. And I thank you, Lord, that you watch over your word to perform it, that every seed that is sown, it will produce results. For your word has promises connected to every form of giving. And Father, we trust that your word will not fail, for it never did. And as we give today, we do it in love towards you. And I thank you, Father, that our faith will work through that love. We bless you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. So if you need an envelope, of course, it's on the seat back in front of you. Uh, if it's not there, just uh, raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. Again, for those of you on live stream and podcast, thanks so much for being with us today. It's always an honor to be able to share the word with you and to know that the word can go forth into your life and bring changes into you, into your thinking, into your perception, and into the realities of life itself. That life will just continue to get better and better because the word of God is always good. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and click on the giving link. And I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. And if there's anything at all that we can stand in prayer with you, it is always an honor for us to believe God with our partners to <clears throat> stand before the throne of God and believe for your needs to be met. We thank you that every one of your needs is met in Jesus because he's provided for us all things that pertains to life and to godliness. Amen.